Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get to Rainer Michael Price, our guest for the half hour. Uh, Mike is a partner, also portfolio strategist at DOS Family Office. He joins from Singapore. Mike, it's always a pleasure. It's a critical week for inflation. I think we can agree on that. We've got numbers uh, here in the U.S., the CPI data on Wednesday, Thursday, it's PPI, and midweek, of course, the inflation data uh, in China. To what extent do you have a sense that we're very near peak inflation, particularly when you look at the pullback that we have seen in the energy markets? I think it's a very high probability that we're potentially close to what the media might call peak inflation. Also, I think the key point for investors and, and uh, the audience, for everybody to remember, is that I think in a world where a $700 billion spending package is called Inflation Reduction Act, one cannot be too bearish on the equity market, in my view. So inflation was transitory all along. It's peaked, huh? <laughs> where, where to next for the, for the Fed, though? Uh, what's the path ahead for rate increases? I think, look, I mean, I mean, this is, again, the key point. I mean, the, the narrative, as, ever, as many people might recall, was it was temporary. Now I think the, the acceptance has been that it's higher for longer. But then again, don't forget, the Russian central bank raised interest rates to 20%. And according to Bloomberg data, the Russian ruble is the best performing currency in the world. But I think more importantly, I think in the U.S. scenario, as the U.S. is the world's reserve currency, I think the Fed most probably will manage to engineer a soft landing mm. in the sense that higher interest rates don't necessarily lead to an earnings recession. And that has been the concern in the market. People who, are, who were bearish equities increasingly felt that we could see an earnings recession. That potentially, I think, is off the table, especially if we have the so-called Inflation Reduction Act. So you believe then that the bond market has it wrong? And I'm looking at the inversion in that two to 10 year segment. I mean, the, what it seems to be suggesting is that the Fed is going to make a mistake and that inflation or rather recession will ensue. You don't buy that. No, I think it would be dangerous to be in that camp of thinking, yes. I think what we might actually see going forward is that we could see a sentiment shift, again, from no reset, no earnings recession, but to stocks as an inflation hedge. I think this potentially could become the new narrative. And well, this markets- is, if you think about it, equities have historically have been a hedge against inflation. So mm-hmm. just because the Fed is raising rates doesn't mean that you have to become ultra bearish on the equity market. Well, that narrative, markets, I think, is about to shift in the second half. Equity markets really do seem to be struggling for conviction and direction right now. When do you see a breakout happening in, in either direction? I think technically it's important that we reclaim the 4,000 handle on the S&P. And I think 4,300 to 4,600 on the S&P potentially is a, is a higher higher probability outcome by, by the second half. 
So I think a drop below 3,800 is increasingly less likely, especially now since we have the Inflation Reduction Act. And uh, we were talking uh, before the break about the possibility of a soft landing in the United States becoming a little more real. But how likely is that in some of the other world's major economies? And I want to start with the Eurozone, where things look somewhat more bleak. Yeah, look, in my opinion, the Eurozone or Euro European equities are actually the biggest loser out of the unfortunate war in the Ukraine. Okay, that seems clear. I mean, do you maybe take the contrarian view and, and say that things are cheap for a reason and maybe I want to add to some supply right now on the hope that things uh, take a turn? No, I think they're cheap potentially, as you mentioned, for a reason. But I think the real problem is that it's very difficult to quantify the risk. Where do you put money for work, though, in Europe? Because I know there are a few pockets of uh, appeal for you. And I know you like European telecom stocks. Why are they somehow immune to what's going on? I think telecom stocks, I mean, in the recent rebound that we have seen in Europe, as in the U.S. equity market in Europe, telecom stocks have actually lacked the rebound in the indices. And in my opinion, they offer good valuation and attractive dividend yield. And I think it's the yield story that increasingly becomes important, especially in a world where inflation is potentially here to stay for longer, higher for high, longer for higher, higher for longer rather. Okay, so you can make uh, the statement maybe where, as it relates to the United States, that we're expecting inflation data midweek for China. Obviously, what the mainland economy is dealing with right now is vastly different than what we're dealing with here in the states. We have uh, the problems that still remain as a result of uh, the difficulty with the property market, and there's the COVID zero policy and what that has done to basically erode domestic consumption. Where are you with uh, with mainland Chinese equities right now? Uh, we are currently on neutral because I think, I mean, the unfortunate COVID situation started in China and I think the zero COVID policy has somehow further complicated the situation. But after this is hopefully over, I think we can see potentially China focusing more on demand growth. And as a command economy with a single party leadership, I think they they can potentially pull this off in the sense that they potentially could even successfully implement a a government focus on more demand growth. And that, in theory, should be positive for domestic equities. Yeah, it's a rather open-ended question, though, isn't it? Uh, After all of this is over, when when do you see that COVID zero policy being uh, no longer useful? Well, it's always difficult to give an exact time, but I would say I would think in the next three to six months. So you were talking about uh, the, the environment of rising inflation actually being favorable for certain types of equities. Are, are, are there themes here right now that you like, Mike? Are, are you going long segments, let's say, of the U.S. market that, that you believe um, are good bets over, the let's say, the next 6 to 12 months? I think in, the, in terms of developed markets and in the U.S. equity market, I think the focus of the shift from, from growth to value stocks most probably can continue, in my view, especially if the overall overall focus is in stocks as an inflation hedge, that you need to be in productive assets and in companies that are ultimately a hedge against inflation. I think the the key fear of the market was that the Fed might that the Federal Reserve might overhike and hence create an earnings recession. I think that is too bearish of you. I know you take an optimistic view of a couple of other major economies in the Asia-Pacific, India and Indonesia as well. Can you walk us through your logic there? What's the appeal? Yeah, and I mean, in Asia or in particular large economies, there are somehow potentially benefiting from still strong domestic 
consumption growth and also who are sheltered from geopolitical tensions, I would consider those economies to be both India and Indonesia. I think those most probably are markets where year to date they have actually outperformed. And I think from an investing point of view, here the trend is still your friend. Uh, just quickly, I know you've got some thoughts on gold easing at the moment, but as inflation pulls back, you're still bullish on gold. Why is that? Well, because in a world where we have, where we have too much debt, gold is still one of the few assets that has no counterparty risk. All right. And there is that. that gold, to some extent, should have been much higher given the current macroeconomic challenges. But again, the key fear that the Fed might overhike has actually mm-hmm. led to a reduction in the price of gold. All right, Rainer Michael Price, partner and portfolio strategist at Das Family Office. Thanks so much for joining us on Daybreak Asia. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze, and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.